This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word, go into the New Testament. you find the small book of Jude, just one chapter, the book of Jude. And I want us to uh, read through this book of the Bible. You say, 25 verses in all that we'll read together uh, as we read this epistle. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally, as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints 
to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of the advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the instruction that we have, the light that we have, as we walk through a dark world, and I pray that you would help us to receive your truth this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I imagine if you come to the book of Jude in your daily Bible reading, you think, I've read an entire book of the Bible in 25 verses. And the flesh might say, that's an easy day. But I want you to know that there, though there are only 25 verses in this little epistle, it is packed with truth. And for us to begin to delve into it and find out exactly what Jude is saying will take us a lot of work in the days ahead. And so this morning as we begin looking at this book, and I think it's very timely uh, for us to look at this book as we consider all that is happening uh, in our nation, not only in our nation, but in uh, mainline Protestant denominations across our country. And we see the, the drift from the truth. We see the forces of liberalism that have crept in to the New Testament church. We see a church that has sought to be more accepted by the world, a church that uh, has sought to be more user-friendly, if you would, has not become user-friendly and has not experienced more acceptance, but rather has been weakened and is disdained and held in contempt more so today than any other time in the history of our nation. And had we only heeded the warning of Jude and of Peter and of the Apostle Paul, 
And had we resolved to be faithful to God's word, we might find for sure that things would be different than we find them today. This is an age of confusion. And in the midst of that confusion, so many people make and form opinions. One of the popular ones you hear among people today is, I am not for organized religion. And certainly, after viewing what most people see from organized religion, you can understand why they would think that. But let me tell you that Satan has, through the efforts of much of what we call organized religion today, accomplished his intent to begin with, and that is to pull people away from the truth, to deceive them, to draw them away from God's word, and, and, and to lead them into this mushy emotional uh, condition that they find themselves in today where everybody's okay as long as they mean well. Well, that's not true. You may want to believe that, but that's not true. I might say to my doctor, look, uh, my blood sugar's fine, and it is, don't worry. <laughs> my blood pressure's fine, and it is. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's no disease in my body. I feel good. The x-rays may show different. The blood tests may show different. And I could say, well, you know, I see what you're saying, but you have to understand this is how I feel. And then walk away from the diagnosis and the prescription that the man has given to me. I would be a very foolish person, would I not? And the Lord, through his word, has, has, has given us the diagnosis of how it is that we got to a situation in the United States of America where churches that once preached the gospel now believe it's okay to ordain homosexuals into the ministry. How did we get here? How did we get to the point where that is now more socially acceptable than people who take a stand for God's word and God's truth? By the way, there are many who have taken a stand and taken it in a very ugly manner. And we certainly do not want to be among that number. We want to take our stand. We want to take it uh, in truth. But the, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. And you can be full of truth and full of grace. But if you're just filled with truth and have no grace, then no one will have any appetite for the truth that you offer them. And so may God help us to be people who, like the Lord Jesus, are full of grace and truth. But we live in an age where people uh, desire perhaps more to be filled with that grace than they do that truth, and they're just as out of balance as the other. And so we have to have grace, yes, but we have to have truth. And this epistle, this little letter, 25 verses, is dealing with the truth. I want you to notice what Jude writes here in verse number three. 
He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, Peter called it like precious faith. He said, I, I began to write a letter to you, Jude. Who is Jude? Jude, as he is identified in verse number one, is the servant or the bond slave of Jesus Christ. Those of us who know the Lord, who've been redeemed by him, we are to be his servants. We are to be his bond slaves. The apostle Paul said, know you not that you are bought with a price? We belong to him. My life is to be given to him. Present your bodies, therefore, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. I am to give my life to him. I am to yield my life to my Lord. He's the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Do you know who Jude is? He and James are the sons of Mary and Joseph. They grew up in the same household with the Son of God. And we understand that they did not always believe upon the Lord Jesus. In fact, in Mark chapter number 6, the families gathered around. They're trying to dissuade Jesus from his purpose. But as we come now, we find that James has been redeemed and Jude has been redeemed. And now they are writing on behalf not of their half-brother, but their Lord to whom they are not related necessarily by blood, but to whom they are related as servant to master. And so he's writing. And he said, I, I began this letter. I, I had a purpose in mind. I wanted to encourage you. <laughs> People like to feel good today, don't they? I wanted to write an encouraging letter about our common salvation, but I... Found it needful. Notice in verse 3, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The word contend means to agonize. It means to strive for. It means to enter into the arena, and it means to contend against an opponent on behalf of. And here we find that we have a responsibility. Yes, you. Yes, me. All of us who are a part of this local New Testament church and all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, we have a responsibility this morning to earnestly contend for the faith. And so we find in this little epistle, there is a lot of truth. And instead of walking through it all this morning, because there's no way we'll get through it, we're just going to stand on the top of the mountain and look down and survey the land. And as we consider this letter, I want you to write some things down. First of all, we find it as a comforting letter. It is a comforting letter. This epistle that has come from the hand of Jude, it is a comforting letter. 
Notice what he says in verse number one. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Uh, Jude is, is operating here, communicating truth, uh, not in pairs, but in triplets. And he, he identifies them as they stand in Christ. Notice their position in Christ. He said they are unto them that are sanctified. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are sanctified. That word means set apart. You belong to him. You are his peculiar treasure. We are not of this world. We belong to God as believers. And he has set us apart for his purpose, for his plan. He said, you're sanctified. Here's another great word, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Not only am I sanctified, but I'm preserved. I'm kept. I'm watched over by the wonderful, loving eyes of Jesus. I am in the palm of his hand, as he wrote and said to us, sealed unto the day of redemption, and no man is able to pluck me out of his hand. I am kept by the power of God. If you belong to Jesus, you've been set apart, you are preserved. No weapon Satan may form against you will prosper. You are in the hand of Jesus. He will lead you safely home. And called. That word means to be invited. To be invited. God has invited me into his house. What a special position I occupy. And then notice not only the position that I have, but notice the blessings that are mine. Mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is withholding that which you deserve. Uh, I remember so many times getting in trouble. I got in trouble at church a few times. And uh, I, I remember uh, when I was a little boy, my mother told me, if you do that again, you're going to get a spanking. And uh, I remember getting in trouble. I did it again. And uh, we were coming home from church, and I knew what was waiting on me when I got home. And I kept telling my mom, I'm praying to Jesus, Mom. Mom, I'm praying to Jesus. I'm praying to Jesus, Mom. Forgive me, Mom. Don't whip me, Mom. Have mercy on me, Mom. Mom, I pray to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, if you're in trouble, that's a good place to go to. Go to Jesus. I deserve judgment. But I was so pitiful in my complaint. My mother started feeling sorry for me. And I got mercy. Oh, we need mercy, don't we? We're self-willed and we're stubborn and we're sinful. And we know what to do, yet we don't do it. And we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and get up on that side and stay on that side all through the day oftentimes. If everybody knew what you know about yourself, none of us would want to be around you. But God knows it all, right? Yet he's merciful. Oh, we need God's mercy, don't we? This is a comforting, comforting letter. Mercy unto you and peace. Oh, we live in a world that is disrupted. 
We live in a contentious, hateful world. But in the midst of it, in the midst of trying circumstances, in the midst of difficult news, in the midst of financial woes and family struggles, do you know what God gives? He gives peace, the peace that passes all understanding. And what we need in this hour in which we live, when we see the erosion of of the Judeo-Christian ethic in our nation, when we see the breakdown of the family, when we see the chaos in our streets that we see, when, when we see the divisiveness and we see the hatred can i tell you what we need we need the peace of god to keep our hearts and minds he prayed for mercy and for peace and love oh we need love don't we by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another if you can't love the people in this room that means you don't love god the way you ought to love god You can sing, oh, how I love Jesus, but your words are empty. If you can't love this church and you can't love your brothers and sisters, then then there's a problem with your relationship with God. You see, when my wife and I aren't getting along, the problem is not with my wife or with me. The problem is with my relationship with God. If my relationship with God is what it ought to be, if I love him the way I ought to love him, then I'm going to love her as a result the way I ought to. And Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And the Bible tells me that I am to love not the system of the world, but I am to love the souls of the world, and I am to go and I am to tell them the wonderful news of the salvation that Christ offers. Oh, we need love. And I like his, his request here. Mercy unto you and peace and love. Not be added, but be what, church? Be multiplied. Oh, we need God's love. We need God's peace. We need God's mercy. This is a comforting letter. But then this letter changes tones, and it becomes not only a comforting letter, it becomes, secondly, a concerning letter. There's a problem. There's a problem. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Oh, mercy. (laughs) And the worst thing they can do is say, next Thursday. because I'm bracing for it. And here Jude switches tones. Notice again in verse 3, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I, I wanted to write to you. I had a purpose in writing to you, but I was compelled, I was moved, I was constrained by the Holy Spirit to write unto you about contending for the faith. And so the tone changes and the concern rises. Notice in verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, 
turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice something here. These men have crept in. There's a problem. I remember when we bought our house not far from here, I was walking around in the yard and I saw these little green plastic things. It looked like somebody had put a green lid in the ground. I had no idea what that was. And there were several of them. And I thought, well, that's strange. Well, I found out later what they were there for. They were there for the rodents or the creeping things. Found out later, I think I have moles in my yard. I found out that my, my house had been treated for termites. You know, these termites, you know, they, they, they creep in. And they're there. And what are they doing? They're eating the foundation of the structure. And the more they eat, the more damage they do. And then, you know, somebody shows up at your door and they say, uh, we would like to offer you a, a, a program to get rid of all of your termites. Well, I haven't seen any termites. Oh, but there are marks. There are signs of termite damage around your home. And, and uh, these little green things are, 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 are signs that, that there's been treatment here before. Well, I didn't know that. But I needed to know that, right? Because if I don't do anything about it, they're going to keep eating away. I'll keep paying for the Wi-Fi and forego uh, the pest control service because I can't stand not having my internet and my television, but it's really not going to do me any good when the whole house falls in. You see, really, I think that's a parallel to where most people are today, isn't it? You know, I want to go to church and... I want to have a feel-good experience, and, you know, I just want everything to be good, and, and I want to be entertained, and, and I want to be moved in my emotions. I just want to enjoy it. Don't tell me. Don't you tell me about those pesky little creatures coming in trying to destroy the foundation. I really just don't want to hear about that. But you have to hear about that, or the whole house is going to fall in. And there will be no place for your children to hear the truth. And there will be no place for your children to know the truth. They've crept in. They're here. They're here now. I, I want to spare you all the news about what's happening uh, in, in, the, in the different religious denominations of our day but it might do us some good to discover that the Methodists have just had a split. The Southern Baptist Convention is about to come apart. And the people who are bearing the criticism in the Southern Baptist Convention are the people who are standing up for the truth. And the critics are not the fundamentalists or the Bible believers. The harshest of the critics are those who want everybody to remain silent and go along with the program. It's an intimidation factor. 
to silence those who would be faithful to the truth. You see, this is a letter that is comforting, yes, but it is very concerning because it reveals not that the enemy is coming, but that the enemy is already here. And he had crept in. They had crept in unawares, subtly. Notice what they did, verse 4. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. What does that word mean, lasciviousness? It means unrestrained behavior. It means no restrictions. It means we've crossed all the fences of behavior. Who are you to tell me how I should live my life? Who I should marry? Who I uh, am to be married to in the sense of uh, what gender I may be? Who are you to tell me that? Honestly, who do you people think you are? Well, We're nobody to tell you that. We're just going to go along with the drift of the times because God is a a God full of grace. And therefore, anything you want to do, any way that you want to behave, any structure that you choose to live by, it's okay with him. And by the way, is not that becoming the message of mainstream America? And make no mistake about it. Mainstream America has its own prophets. When Pete Buttigieg stands behind a podium and tells people what Christianity ought to look like in light of the truth that he wants it to be based upon, not upon the truth of God's word, then we know we've got a major problem in America. But we like to hear him because he's just kind of winsome and he's got a nice delivery and a nice style. He's not obnoxious. He, 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 he's, he doesn't stumble over his words. He's pretty smooth. And so, yes, if he tells us what Christianity ought to be, well, then certainly we ought to accept that. That's the day we live in. That's the day and the hour in which we find ourselves. And Judas blowing the trumpet, he's saying, wait a minute, I don't want to disturb you, but I have to disturb you. I don't want to bang on your door at 3 a.m. and tell you your house is on fire, but it is. And so I must. It's a concerning letter. It's about time we got concerned. If we get concerned, we might actually do something about it. That comes to my third point about this letter. It's a comforting letter. It's a concerning letter. It's a compelling letter. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 17, he's erased the concern. He has revealed who they are. And then in verse 17, he says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. They be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. That word sensual means soulish. They appeal to the emotions. They appeal to the senses. 
They want you to feel good. They want you to like them. They want to be accepted. They want to be mainstream. And though they are sensual, there is something very important that they do not have. Do you see it there in verse number 19? Sensual, having not the, what's the next word, church? The spirit. And do you notice something about the S on the word spirit? It's capitalized. We're not speaking about the general spirit. We're speaking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. They are sensual. They appeal to the emotions. They appeal to the intellect. They appeal to the will. They're soulish, but they have not the Spirit. There is no light of God in them. So what do we do? Isn't that really the question? What do we do? Well, did he not tell us in verse number three, earnestly contend for the faith? Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us in verses 20 through 25 how to contend. And so here we come to this compelling tone of his letter. It is a call to action. God has something for you to do. When you leave and get in your car and you go home and you have lunch and maybe take your nap or maybe you begin to prepare for the weekday, what is it that you need to do to contend for the faith? Well, I'm glad he gives us the answer. Look at it. Verse 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That's what we're compelled to do. Now let's look at it quickly. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Do you know it is my responsibility to build up myself? With all the flu and all the stuff that's going around, my wife has carried around oils and vitamins, and she's went to the health store, and she bought this syrupy stuff. I can't think. Elderberry. And she cooked the elderberries, and she made the elderberry syrup, and she mixed a concoction with it, and, and she made me take it every day. I took the silver in liquid form. I took the vitamins, and praise God, I haven't gotten the flu. If you have it, don't come around me. <laughs> You've crept in unawares. You know what she was trying to do? She was trying to build me up. If we're going to survive in this world, 
where there is so much confusion, where it's really hard to know, are these people good people or are they tools of the devil? By the way, they're not all bad people. Some of them are just deceived. But if I follow them, where will that lead me? How am I going to discern this? How am I going to know in these perilous times that Paul told me would come, how am I going to survive it all? I've got to build myself up. It means I've got to get in the Bible. I've got to get all the nutrients, and I've got to get all of the strengthening vitamins of God's Word. I have to feed my soul with a manna from above. I have to do it every day. I've got to not only take it in, but I've got to exercise. I mean, nobody goes to war unless they've been to boot camp, right? I've got to go through some spiritual exercises. I've got to develop and build some muscle. And do you know what goes into that adversity? And that's where so many people quit. Well, somebody hurt my feelings, so I'm leaving the church. Well, you're not going to make it in a battle if that's all it took to get you out of the army. Well, they didn't show me appreciation. Join the club. Who are we here to serve, ourselves or Jesus? We're going to have to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ in this hour. But not a lot of people like that hardness stuff. Building up yourselves, praying in the Holy Ghost. I got to keep my communication right. I got to stay in tune with God. Notice what he says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I got to stay close to him. I got to stay in love with Jesus, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion. I've got to be kind. I've got to be loving. I've got to have compassion toward people. You see people from time to time, you think, well, it's obvious what they're doing. Well, is that obvious in your heart that that's your attitude toward them? Or has the love of Christ constrained you to say, yes, it's obvious what they're involved in, and those poor people need Jesus, and I'm the one who knows Jesus. It's my responsibility to love them and to be kind to them and to tell them what Jesus did for them, not to look down my nose at contempt toward them. Well, those sinners, they deserve what they're going to get. Well, you deserve it too, and so do I. We better be compassionate. We better be cautious and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, having even the garment, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We got to be careful, but we got to pull them out of the fire. So this is a comforting letter. It's a concerning letter. It's a compelling letter. There's something for us to do, and he gives us the list of the things that we need to do. And then he closes in a confident tone. And so we see it's a confident letter. It's not time to wring our hands and, you know, drink a bottle of Maalox and wonder how we're going to make it. It's time to put our trust in God. Is God in control in your life? Yes or no? Is he still control of this world? Yes, he is. Will his purposes be fulfilled? Yes, they will. Will his plans surely come to pass? Of course. 
And so he reminds me to be confident here. Look in verse 24. Now unto him that is able. Aren't you glad he is able? I told this group of ladies that were gathered on Thursday. When God told the widow to feed the prophet, he promised he'd take care of her, and he did. God is able to keep his church, to preserve us. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Oh, sometimes we feel like we're about to fall, don't we? And to present you how? Faultless. You know what the devil is? He's accused of the brethren. Oh, you're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. You're not a good Christian. And he'll remind you of all the things you do wrong. But in Christ, as I learn to walk with him, as, as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, he will present me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I got a lot to look forward to, and so do you. The world's falling apart. Yes, it is. But Jesus' throne is on solid ground. His plans are coming to pass. And so how does he close this letter? With an exclamation of praise. He is carried away into the heights of heaven, filled with the glory and the majesty of God, and all he can say is what is said in verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty dominion, and power, both now and ever. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.